We want better schools. We want them now. Stand in our way, and you'll catch these eight black hands with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecky, and Stewart. Join us now for an hour or more of talk on education and culture. Welcome back to another episode of A Black Hands Podcast. And now I think I sound like a robot, but you know what? Robot sounds or not, man, we got an amazing show for you all tonight. I hope everybody had a great holiday, got to spend time with people that they love or got to do whatever it was that you wanted to do. I am joined by my two brothers, Sharif and Ray, and a special guest. Sadly, we do not have Citizen Stewart with us tonight, but we do have the brothers. So I'm going to start with Sharif to introduce himself, then Ray. And Ray, you can throw it back to Sharif. Sharif Almecki here in Philadelphia. Good to be on. Good to see y'all. I'm excited about our show this evening. Uh, had a great time with the family, just hanging out um, for the next couple of days. Ray Ankrum, Long Island, New York. I am just overwhelmed with joy at the fact that Reef is putting in this work. <laughs> Reef is the executive producer of this particular show. He, he wrote the questions out. He's building capacity. He is, he is my man tonight, my main man, Reef. <laughs> Back to you, baby. Well, I appreciate it. And, you know, I've watched you all do it for now 39 episodes. And so felt like, you know what, for the 40th one, let me uh, let me help out a little bit. <laughs> but um, no, I'm excited uh, to do this. I'm uh, I'm thrilled uh, to bring on our guest, uh, Dr. Constance Aurora Lindsay, an assistant professor at edu- of education leadership in the School of Education at UNC Chapel Hill, University of North Carolina. Uh, she earned her doctorate in human development and social policy from Northwestern University, where she was an Institute of Education Sciences pre-doctoral fellow. She's affiliated with the Urban Institute. She has received her bachelor's degree in economics from Duke University, master's degree in public policy from Georgetown University, and she was also the presidential management fellow at the U.S. Department of Education. She's a native of Washington, D.C., and she's a part of this Delta Sigma Theta sorority. Yeah, sure. No, you, you, you covered it. <laughs> All right. Sweet. I mean, the one thing that we we saw, like, hey, you were attended Duke. Now you're at UNC. Yes. You heckled yes. at all or people like talking to you about your allegiances down there? Yeah. So so actually, I thought I was going to be a lot more aggressive about it, but um, these they really love UNC. Um, I, I know lots of crazy fun facts that I never do. Um, so I just, I try to keep a relatively low profile because <laughs> I want to stay employed. Uh, but it, it is quite strange. <laughs> Understand that. Cole, how you feel about UNC and Duke and, <laughs> you know, I mean, we had another start at this and the mics was acting <laughs> up and, and I, I let her know how I feel about Duke. Um, yeah, I said I hate me. Duke about seven times. <laughs> so I'm going to say it about three more. I hate Duke. <laughs> Shavar, Shavar, Shavar Jeffries is a good friend, mentor. I love oh, Shavar. Yeah. Shavar is a dookie. Uh-huh. Yeah, I hate Duke. And that's my guy. <laughs> I just had lunch with him a few days ago in Jersey when I was out there and love that guy to death. 
Still hate Duke. I'm never going <laughs> to like Duke. Um, yeah. Christian Leitner is a buster. Um, he'll probably go down <laughs> as one of the best college basketball players of all time at the expense of the Kentucky Wildcats, but whatever. Um, yeah. So I'm going to shut up now. He made, he, made one, he made one NBA All-Star game. Yeah, but we're talking about college, though, right? The same. Yeah, I'm, I'm just saying he wasn't. He wasn't a. He wasn't a bad pro. No, no, no. They're gonna call him one of the best college players ever. But anyway, he's he's a dream dasher. I hate him. I'm tired of seeing that clip every single year. Um, that lucky <laughs> full court pass. One shining moment. Horrible little shimmy free throw shot. I, somebody should just any. Go ahead. <laughs> How you really feel? Yeah. Uh, so, Doctor Lindsay, we're um. You know, on our show, The Eight Black Hands, we talk about uh, black education. We talk about black educators. We talk about the students, the black students, the eight million black students uh, in this mm-hmm. country, in our in our public schools. Um, you know, I met you about a year ago, but uh, prior to that, we had read your research, read your, the work that you were doing. I would love for you to just tell me, and a lot of your work is around the same thing that we're talking about. Yep. It's a, Black mm-hmm. educators and, and particularly black teachers, you know, yeah. like what got you initially interested enough to research black teachers? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so that's a that's a really good question. Um, so I I did not sort of go straight into a tenure track job um, like most academics. I actually spent some time working in policy in a couple of places. So I, I came right home after um, finishing my PhD and spent some time working in the chancellor's office of DCPS. So right when it switched from uh, Michelle Reed to Kaya, to Kaya Henderson. And that was like a very fraught time. <laughs> uh, well, any, anything in D.C. education is always fraught. But that was a particularly crazy time because it was like there was a, an election that happened. Um, a lot of the black teachers had been fired um, or their schools had been closed. And, you know, sort of some of the same things that happened under Brown happened in D.C. under accountability policies. And so um, just me thinking about the ways in which sort of race plays out in a lot of these teacher policies started swirling around in my mind. And then I spent some time working for the Delaware Department of Education. And my job there was basically to help them build a system um, where they would be able to sort of rank the outcomes of their teacher preparation programs based on the, the test scores of the students at the places where the teachers would go teach. And so there, it became obvious to me that uh, if you had a mission of sending teachers to high needs and hard to staff schools, you would be dinged under this particular accountability system. And in particular, the HBCU would be basically shut down uh, because their mission was to send teachers to high needs, hard to staff schools uh, all around Delaware, but also outside of Delaware. Mm. And so I got really interested in this question of black teachers. What role do they play? Uh, Just the ways in which some of the policies that we pass uh, that we think are supposed to close achievement gaps the way that they might make them worse because they end up um, sort of pushing these teachers out and we know the impact that they have. And so um, that was sort of the origin of this this particular strain of my research agenda. But I've always been interested in thinking about race and education and closing achievement gaps and things along those lines. Right, right. You mentioned your grandmother was an educator. Yes, yes, yes. I did. Um, yeah, and so she's always been, been swirling sort of around in my mind too. So my grandmother taught here in D.C. and D.C. public schools for 27 years. And she actually taught at Dunbar, which is like the famous black high school. Um, that, that saw some pretty difficult times in the 80s and the 90s um, with the crack epidemic. But, you know, she was just a giant. You know, she was um, 
you know, she went to Spelman and she came back or she came here to DC to teach. And, you know, to this day, you could still find students of hers who are, um, you know, who were impacted by her life. And so, um, you know, some of the, some, some of our work is, is definitely to honor her legacy for sure. Nice. Nice. Okay. So she taught it at, uh, at Paul Dunbar, which was, mm-hmm. uh, created by, uh, another like really famous black educator, right? Uh, Dr. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, fantastic, fantastic. Now look, your research has been, you know, I, I hear presidential candidates saying it, yeah. <laughs> Kamala Harris, others are talking about mm-hmm. it. What did you find in your research that has yeah. people just, just like, wow, like, oh, I need to, yeah. I need to read this. I need to understand this. What sure. did you, what did you all find? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So there's actually a, a, a few studies that we have that look at this um, relationship between having a black teacher and then particular outcomes for black students. So I'll just take a step back and talk through a couple of those. So we have, so the first one actually came out. So both of these came out in 2017. Um, but we have a, a paper that basically shows for, um, black students, when they are matched to ha- a black teacher, they are less likely to experience exclusionary discipline. So think about things like in-school suspension, out-of-school suspension. And we don't see sort of huge impacts there, but we see pretty consistent impacts. So no matter if you're, you know, uh, free and reduced price lunch or not, or uh, whether you're in an urban school or a suburban school, basically just having a black teacher means you're going to be less likely to get those harsh discipline outcomes. And so that study got a lot of um, attention, but around the same time that that one was published, we actually put out a working paper uh, where we basically show that uh, when we look at long run outcomes of having a same race teacher. So we basically show that for um, black kids who have at least one black teacher in elementary school, they are less likely to drop out of high school and more likely to say that they're going to attend college. And so for whatever reason, that study is, uh, everybody's really into it. <laughs> it gets cited a lot. Um, it's been cited uh, on a couple of the presidential candidates platforms. Um, some of my other work that I did through the Urban Institute was has been cited by like Ayanna Presley, um, John King, just lots of different people are looking for evidence of kind of what I think we all intuitively know, which is that black teachers matter, uh, but sort of the ways in which sort of the, the evidence base and research base works, I guess, you know, you have to have it in certain journals and certain environments for people to, to believe it. No, have you, have you reached out to Mayor Pete? Because he, he <laughs> done to this research. I'm just saying. Yeah, you know, so he does cite us in his Frederick Douglass plan, but nobody has reached out to me. And actually, when so when everybody was arguing about the role model thing, I was like, please don't don't tag me on Twitter, Jesus. I do not want to be involved. Uh, but if he were to call me, I, I would be able to advise him for sure. Yeah, I, you know what? I think they all need some advice. They all need to be calling yeah. you. Um, yeah. You know, particularly when you're talking about the uh, students that have been marginalized in, yeah. in systems, you know, for generations, um, yeah. and folks aren't aren't talking to those people or those grandparents or grandchildren yeah. about their yeah. experiences. They're talking to people who look like them and just creating policy. Yeah. None none of them attended these schools that we're talking about anyway. Right. You know, but they they think they they know, um, and so they they need to be talking to you. One thing I want to bring up: um, you were a crucial, critical leader in this research, and I also want to confess that so so often I've referenced it as, you know, even though I knew you were part of the team, 
a reference is the John Hopkins uh, study, which I think, you know, Rashiri, before you ask this question, just because thinking as a listener, they're going to want to know what's, what's the exact article title and where you first, were you first writer or how, how, how did it play out? We can make a note of it and people can go Mm -hmm. look it up. That's a good question. Yeah. So there, there's, there's two versions. Um, so one is actually with three co-authors. Um, it's available via download on the IVA. It's like the, um, if you just Google it, it's the long run impacts of same race teachers. And then there's a, a, a newer version. And that's actually the one that, that gets cited um, that, you, that people should be citing now. And that's actually through the national Bureau of economic research. And um, so the way it works, in uh, economics is it's just alphabetical order. So just representing the fact that we all contributed sort of equally to it. But it does get referred to as a Johns Hopkins study a lot because one of my co-authors um, is a professor at Johns Hopkins and they put out a very nice press release. <laughs> so that's just kind of why it gets associated with Johns Hopkins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it just... Just wanted to make sure we bring that up and had you on because sure, you know yeah. our sisters, our... our uh, our black intellectuals, our black researchers often get erased in this space. Um, mm-hmm. When you're looking at, yeah. our, at our, our teachers, uh, when they are 80% uh, white, white, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. Minnesota, other places, 96% white, mm-hmm. it has a mm-hmm. ripple effect on curriculum, pedagogy, policy, sure. research. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's just really important. Um, We're doing this again. Yeah, it's really important that that this is uh you know brought up and and spoken about, and particularly that that you're every episode you race baiting, bro. No, that's not race baiting. I'm, I'm just being honest. It's not race baiting. This is this is actually being honest. I'm sharing data, and and I'm also sharing. You know, can you talk about what you've seen yeah. as far as uh, erasure? And so this way, yeah. it ain't my opinion, you can talk. About <laughs> to Ray and other people sure. about uh, being a black researcher, just in general. What yeah, that's that, a great question. Like? Yeah, so, so, so the education, so our little subfield of education policy research is, um, you know, by design, not very diverse, right? And it actually has lots of implications for many of the things and the kids that we care about because the types of, journals that, you know, we're, we're sort of aspiring to publish in. Um, when I was working um, at the Urban Institute, like, you know, congressional campaigns will go to their website and get briefs and things, things along those lines. And so um, if we don't have sort of our folks at the research table, as it were, um, you can imagine why so many of our policies are misguided. And it just also is, I mean, and I don't think this is unique to my subfield, but just being a black woman academic is a, is a weird space to be in, uh, particularly being on the tenure track. You know, the, the professoriate is not super diverse. <laughs> so mm-hmm. there's just lots of angles um, where it's important that we sort of uplift and recognize our, our black women who are out here doing some of this work. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Now you talked about short term, like right, like so short term. Yeah. And I, I love that you said that it's some stuff that we knew, because I tell people all the time, like, yeah. People's grandparents already knew which teachers they wanted their kids to have. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they already knew they had scoped them out. They, they had a history with them and knew like, you know what, that child is doing well in that classroom. They're not doing so well in another classroom. Right. And often mm-hmm. these will be the, the few black teachers that that were around. But, you know, so we knew the short term. Right. Like and you mentioned this, like less likely to be uh, sent to disciplinary for a disciplinary referral. 
other right. research about uh, better grades, doing better, mm-hmm. even better on, on test scores or just having yep. a better experience in school mm-hmm. on that day to day. But it's interesting mm-hmm. that you, you all then wanted to really look at long term. That's right. Yeah. Um, because it so, wasn't really out there before. Can you talk about that yeah. some more? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's basically the first study of um, this, this sort of now cottage industry of studies that looks at long-term outcomes. And so basically what we were able to do both with using Tennessee data and North Carolina data is to say, to look at sort of who your teachers were sort of early on and then see whether that impacted. So in the North Carolina data, it's basically high school dropout. And then when you graduate high school, there's like a little survey that you fill out that says, I am more or less, you know, I'm going to attend college. So we're able to look at that. We're able to track them over time. So we were able to look at 100,000 students who would have been in third through fifth grade in like the mid 2000s, like 2005, 2008-ish. And then we can track and see whether they dropped out of high school. And then the Tennessee data, we actually looked at um, kids who were in kindergarten through second grade in the early 80s. And we're actually able to look and see whether they uh, enrolled in college. And so basically in both cases, we found that having at least one black teacher means that, you know, these long-term outcomes are better and um, not really so much in terms of like dosage. Um, So there's a little evidence for like, you know, if you get two is better than one and three and better, three is better than two in the Tennessee data, but not in the North Carolina data. Um, And so, so it is, something that we do know in our communities, but I think being able to sort of document it and use these very large samples to kind of show what we know, I think is super important because it gives people, you know, if they're thinking about policy or they're thinking about, you know, making changes and staffing and hiring, it gives them an evidence base that they could draw from. Oh, no, absolutely. That's not going to help. That, that, listen, uh, your research is phenomenal. Your research is phenomenal. You guys did a, a very good job. I'm pretty sure that there's research that, that precedes this, that shows the same thing. Common sure, sense yeah. tells us the same thing. Mm-hmm. And these people still ain't changing nothing. Well, no, there have been some, there have been some policy changes, okay? So, like, um, NYC Men Teach sort of cited us as part of their inspiration for getting their program started. Um, in Connecticut, they passed a bill where they basically did some things around relaxing some of the requirements to get in some of the educator prep programs. Um, I'm in conversation with TFA. So there is some, there is some action. And I mean, but I, I, I mean, I, I worked at TFA for a while. Yeah. I mean, we had one of the largest, like, pipelines we have one mm-hmm. of the largest pipelines of of black educators like in the country right. outside of mm-hmm. not counting hbcus that was mm-hmm. one of the roads that i had i guess my question similar to what ray kind of said right like i mean yeah. I, there's a lot of research that mm-hmm. i don't want to say there's a lot of research out there but i think that we kind of know that black black teachers are important to have or whatnot i guess my question is Where's the controversy in a sense of, I know behind the scenes, people might be kind of slowing us up and stopping this, but is there anybody that's actively saying that the race of a teacher doesn't matter or mm-hmm. like, like let's, I want to, yeah. yeah, like let's, let's, I want to, I want to know more about this controversial piece of who's actually trying to refute the notion. Oh, they're out there. No, I mean, I, I know that, I know there are people that say things flippantly. Um, and yeah. I know that there are things that, but I'm talking about like an organized, like, Hey, here's actually some other like some counterpoints policy or, yeah, or I'm, try, I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to yeah. see like, you know, because I don't, I, I guess what I'm saying is I think the majority of the people that listen to this podcast yeah. 
mm-hmm. know this, agree with this. Like, mm-hmm. if you follow Sharif, you agree and know this because this is now Sharif's work. He has made this right. like his right. life's work. He left mm-hmm. his vocation to do this, right? So I think there's a lot of stuff behind this, but I want to know, I don't think the average listener knows what groups or who is actually working <laughs> against this notion. Yeah, I mean, so wait, I wait, 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 wait. Before you, Dr. Liz, before you start, okay. don't attack my party. Don't oh. attack my president. Oh, really? That's that's Ray. Oh, oh my God, Ray. Ray is president, a Ray. We're there. Wow. President? Don't 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 listen. Listen. Don't don't fall for it. Don't let Ray pull you in. He gonna do it. Don't let it happen. But but yeah. but, I'm, but I but I want to hear this. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious as to who these. Yeah. So, yeah, so I don't I don't think that there's like groups that are explicitly working against it. I think what what gets where it gets a little dicey is the language that people use around diversity and quality, right? Because so like for example, um in in North Carolina, I actually wrote a an op-ed with um a good friend of mine, James Ford, who's the teacher of the year. Um Yes sir, brother and, James Ford up yeah, in so North great. Carolina. So, yeah, he's great. So we wrote an op-ed in the, I guess the Herald Sun or whatever the newspaper is. I should know that. Um, where we were basically saying that they had, they instituted this NC teaching fellows program. Mm-hmm. And so everything we know about, you know, black educators and the the outside contribution that HBCUs do to produce black educators. And they didn't give any, it was basically like five sites around North Carolina, five colleges where they gave them extra money to, to produce teachers. And they didn't pick an HBCU as, as one of the sites, right? And one of the, um, I think it was, I don't want to misattribute who it was, but there was like a high up policymaker who basically was like, oh, we wouldn't want to give the HBCU the money because they don't do the quality job producing educators that the other programs do. Right. And obviously that's misguided. So the most pushback um, that I see is mostly around this idea that if something is diverse, it's not um, quality. Right. And that actually, if you listen to how like policymakers and, you know, those folks who, you know, set accountability rules, talk about some of this stuff. That's the biggest thing, right? Like if I say something, if I say the very obvious fact that, you know, there is an achievement gap on something like the ACT. And so if you raise the ACT, that's going to push some of our kids who've been underserved by their K-12 out of their, you know, they won't be able to enter into teacher prep programs. Um, There's this weird conversation that happens around what quality is and why quality doesn't necessarily mean black. Right or the value to being a black teacher is not seen as like a piece of teacher quality. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, Sharif. I mean, I know this is something that's near and dear. I mean, I think it's near and dear to all of us, right? But there's a clear connection to the work that you're doing now and what you just launched. Uh, one, I think you need to do a better job of you know talking about your new endeavor, right? But I think too, what what is it that Ray first, loves when I talk about it? I, I can't. <laughs> What 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 is it that you and and Dr. Lindsay right like? How are we? What's the alarm that we're ringing for the people that's listening to our podcast? And what yeah. is it that we want folks to actually do? Yeah, I mean, I think a big part is just like she uh, described. Be be careful of the language that's being used when you're talking about quality, and and it's not just educators, right? It's like in a lot of different spheres when people are talking about quality, they want to pretend that. 
black people don't produce quality, whether right. it's black schools, whether it's black leadership, whether it's black teachers, whether it's black colleges. And then that's, this is just a farce, but it is played and replayed so often that there are people that ingest it. You know, when we talk about like biases and, 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 um, and racism, some of this stuff is just unconscious rote memory that people just, uh, you know, just do create policies, do actions. And so I think one, being vigilant and making sure that we're hearing, that we're sensitive to that tone when we hear yeah. it and we call it out. Because a lot of times, as Dr. Lindsay said, it will come out in policy. And so, you know, like, and Ray, I would say that people are doing, I know in Pennsylvania, our Secretary of Education, Pedro Rivera, said, you know what, like, hey, this is something that, that I believe in that is really important. And so under his leadership, uh, they started Aspire to Educate which we're really proud to support, which is really to support high school students and folks matriculating through college as well as career changers to become educators. And so we're really excited about that, but this it's also grounded in Dr. Lindsay's research. But then you see like the research, not just for the practitioners, but that it, it can inform policymakers and in how to go about the business of better educating kids, particularly those um, black children that have never been served well um, in mass by our systems. Mm-hmm. Reeve, there's bad black teachers. I've seen them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, and absolutely. I don't think anybody's saying that, right? Like, I think, you know, the idea is that we want a high-quality, diverse workforce, right? I mean, another piece of this, too, is just that, like, the profession itself is under, has lots of challenges, and this is just sort of one additional challenge, right? We still have a lot of work to do in terms of how well we pay people and, all, all sorts of things, right? So this is not negating any of that other stuff that also needs to get done. Yeah, I mean, speaking of that, what what um, what makes you nervous about how people are using your research? Is there anything? <laughs> yeah, that that's a good question. Um, yeah, so we we got a little pushback because we try to do some speculating about. Um, the reasons why black teachers matter. And we know that there's a whole host, but there's, you know, because we're sort of outside researchers looking in, we're limited in, in what we can speculate about. So we get a lot of, I get a lot of crazy pushback around one of the things that we had posited was maybe that there was a role model effect, which I know, gosh, I can't say that. Like everybody was like going off on that on Twitter the other day, but. Oh, really? I missed that. That would be something I would yeah. love to do. Hop it! I, just, I get dragged into a bunch of dumb Twitter. Oh, uh, yeah. where well, like that? I would love to jump yeah. in on. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't want to be tweeted, but I get a lot of like nasty emails about saying that uh, mm. black teachers could serve as role models for black students, right. which I don't think is a sum total of what they do for sure. Um, so that that makes me a little bit uneasy. Um, it, I, I think you know, but I think most people they get it. It's a pretty simple story. Um, they understand that it means that we need more diverse teachers, uh, and I don't think most sane people could get behind that. I have experienced pushback. Um, I've gotten emails from white teachers who say things like, well, I've been working in, you know, X, Y, and Z city for this many years. And you're telling me that I don't have an impact or that I'm causing harm to students. And I'm like, that's not really what it's saying. But, you know, if you feel that way, like, <laughs> that's fine. Um, so it, some of it is just, it's like a Rorschach test of like mm-hmm. who, what they want to see and what they want to send me a crazy email about. Yeah. So I, guess, I so I guess one of the things that I would add in there and ask, right, is like you know, I think that there's a lot of professions, right, where black folks are lacking, right? So I started my career as a yep. social worker and mm-hmm. 
sadly, right, and both sad and a good thing, uh, there were hardly any black male social workers, which allowed me to yeah. actually rise up in my position a lot faster uh, mm-hmm. because there were some cases that only a black male could do or the hospital board that I sit on, like we do a whole bunch of stuff just to bring in more black doctors, more black physicians and more black surgeons. Right. And like education, I think there's a lot of um, career paths that are trying to, you know, get black males into those groups. Mm -hmm. So what are some suggestions uh, that you have for the education field to actually make, um, you know, teaching something that might be appealing. Uh, because I remember yeah. when I told my mother I was going to be a social worker and she was obviously happy for me, but she was also like, man, you like, basically what she was saying, I'm a, I'm a paraphrase for it, but she's like, you the first one in our family to go to college. Like, you can actually mm-hmm. go make some real money. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They, they, they need black people in tech too, right? But like, you know, and I think that people do want to go, if you go through all that stuff, some people do want to make sure that they're going to have, you know, a, a good amount of money, a good amount yeah. of prestige um, yeah. to, to kind of have that goes with the title. So do you have any suggestions around that that you want our listeners to know? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a really good point. So we do some, a little talking about this at the end of the long run paper where we're basically saying it, it is sort of asking people who've been like victims of like this educational debt to now solve it, right? So so because a lot of fields are not diverse, we're fighting over the same BA holders, you know, that the tech, like you said, like the tech people are fighting over, the, the Wall Street people are fighting over. Um, and so I think we just need to, so for one, we just need to pay people more, right? And, uh, but I don't know that we'll see that in our lifetime. <laughs> I mean, I hope we will, but that's a big thing. But then two, another really promising uh, practice are these like grow your own programs. So basically where places, you know, they offer like these residency models where people can get paid to learn how to teach. They can be career switchers. Um, And I think programs like that where you sort of draw from the community uh, are super important because we know that teacher labor markets are highly localized. And that way you can sort of expose kids to career pathways. And you can say like, if you come work for us for X years. So I think those types of programs are super promising. But you know, it's philosophically very difficult, right? Because you're telling me that we want you to come help us and, you know, help our, help our children. But then also we're asking you to make lots of sacrifices in terms of like the money that you'd be able to make and your, your career path. But I think, you know, it's, it's super important. I think like a lot of problems in the black community could be solved if we had more black men, black male teachers, for example. So I don't know. It's a, it's a tough question. Yeah. You, you you said that you could really, you know, talk about the role modeling um, where I look at that is that that's definitely a big part of it. Like, you know, yeah. um, uh, Mary Edelman Wright talks about you can't be what you can't see. Mm-hmm. And I would mm-hmm. say like you, maybe you can, but it's a lot harder. Um, sure. Yeah. You're yeah. always seeing white when we talk about this windows and mirrors theory, right? Like white children <laughs> always get the mirrors reflecting yep. their identity, their their contributions and things like that. And black kids are usually looking at the window, looking at white people's contributions mm-hmm. and, and all this mm-hmm. other stuff, but none of their own. I think in addition to the role modeling, um, can you talk a little bit about just the, the expectations and mm-hmm. The share, you know, the sense of urgency that uh, effective black teachers bring to the table where like, you know what, our destinies are 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 linked forever. Sure. And so you yeah, have to be yeah. successful and I have to be successful. Um, right. And then it's just community peace. Can you talk about those um, angles? 
Yeah, yeah, sure. So, so, so my co-authors, so Seth Gershenson and Nick Papa George, actually have some really nice articles where they show that Black teachers have higher expectations of Black students. And those articles are cool because they can actually go and see like what the students did and how far off the white teacher was from what they actually accomplished, uh, which is also sort of intuitive, but super interesting to show. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yes, I mean, I think it's, I think it's super important. I think you know, where we do have black teachers, there is that social justice aspect. And so one thing that I I think that we see, particularly with um, undergrads, for example, is that a lot of them are not really attracted into education because there isn't that social justice component that they want, right? So it's like, if they were to enter into education, the whole point of it is because I want to like serve my community and make things better. And I don't really see myself or that reflected in the curriculum. Um, and, you know, a lot of that has to do with the fact that the faculty are not diverse, et cetera. And so I think we have lots of work to do there to just make education be an attractive thing for um, undergraduates, because it's not right now for our students of color unless they're at um, the, the HBCUs or the other minority minority serving institutions. And so so that's one thing that makes me a little bit sort of uh, despondent about the, the pipeline is that we kind of we know all of this stuff and we're not doing what I think is enough to sort of get people in the pipeline to be educators. And so, you know, this sort of whiteness and femaleness of the profession is going to continue um, if we don't do like some major radical stuff right now. Oh, absolutely. And so, Ray, you wanted to jump in? Y'all, y'all, try, y'all try it if y'all want to. Y'all trying to do some major radical stuff <laughs> with, with these white folks trying to trying to take some income away from them. And you and watch, watch how fast this, this whole situation turns. <laughs> well, you know, we got to keep pushing it. And, and, you know, like someone uh, emailed me something nasty, like, oh, you just want to fire all the white teachers. I'm like, no, that's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is as vacancies occur, one, make sure that you're looking at how you're retaining the black teachers that are there, right. and the Latino teachers that are there. Like, what is your how are you retaining them? They're often there in the, the as you mentioned earlier, they're in schools that are most struggling and two ways they get there. One, they have that social justice lens and say, you know what, I got to run there. I got to make sure that I get there. Or two, the policies kind of drive them towards there and they can't get hired at the other schools anyway. So either way, how do you retain them? How do you support them? How do you make sure? Because we can say what we want, but schools aren't equal, even within one district, with one city. You know, it can be, uh, you know, a, in a affluent neighborhood in the in our school system and then one that's, you know, four miles away that's really struggling. Chances are the one that's affluent is going to have less black teachers. And that's but, but that's you know, what, a, though, I, I'll say this, though. Right. Like because I. And I got pushed back from parents, rightfully so, about this, um, because what it sounds like, and I know we're not saying this, but I want us to be very clear. What it sounds like is we're saying that, you know, that black teachers are almost a panacea for better education. Right. Yeah. Like, right. That's not true. Um, mm-hmm. And you still got to be good. And then there's a few things that we say that I think doesn't sit well with some parents. Right. So it's like, OK, mm-hmm. we need to pay people more. And we're going to lower the barrier to entry. But then a parent says, well, what does it mean to lower barrier to entry? Well, a lot of the black right. teachers can't pass the test. Well, it's like, well, why are you trying to give me the teachers that can't pass the test? Like, mm-hmm. I want teachers that can pass the test, right? Like, I think I think there are th- there are nuanced things in there. And I know they love when yeah. I say that. But, like, there are some things in there that you have <laughs> What to, are you doing, bro? There's some things in there <laughs> that I think we got to talk about, right? Because yeah. um, I went, some of the schools that failed me, I only, I only had black teachers. It was an all-black school. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think that that's something that like is really important. And I, and I know when I was studying and doing my research, when I was trying to finish up my program, um, a lot of the research that I saw and I also saw it when I worked in the superintendent's office is at the 
at the one year and almost two year like limit, I saw us give a lot of black people pink slips out of the district. Yeah. And if you get that slip mm-hmm. out of the district, you can't work in that district anymore, at least not in Oakland. And what we saw was we saw a lot of charter schools actually pick up those teachers and mm-hmm. give those black men a home and give them a place. Uh, and mm-hmm. many of them didn't want to work in a charter school, right? They wanted to work back at their local like yeah. district school or whatnot. So I just think that like when we had this conversation, it's so many little different peaking areas mm-hmm. aside from just the... The we need more black teachers. Absolutely. We definitely need more black teachers. Um, but I think that a lot of parents would be like, and, and we want to make sure that those folks are quality. And yeah. just because you black ain't enough. Like, yeah. you got to actually be, be teaching some stuff. Yeah. And I, I don't disagree with all of that. And sometimes we do settle on the just we need more black teachers because it's like the easy policy prescription. But um, so I'll, I'll add a piece too. in particular for our long term work. Um, most of the results are driven by persistently low income young black men. And so basically those are the black boys who are on uh, free and reduced price lunch the entire time they're in elementary school. And those are the ones where we see like the biggest numbers, right? The biggest drop or the biggest reductions in high school dropout. And Almost so 40%, right? Right, right. Yes, exactly right. And so, um, so I think we can be strategic about how we deploy our existing workforce. And also, you know, I, I don't think black teachers are a panacea, but I think for particular kids that we, some of the kids that we're worried about the most, they sure, they for sure could have a, a, a good impact. Mm-hmm. You could you could hire a social worker that could do that. That could yeah, do sure, what? Why not? Yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, that, that's what I used to do when I was a social worker. I mean, social workers have like it's a ton of different jobs you do. Like some of the people I came up with did, you know, did hospice work in a in a in a, in a hospital. Some worked with uh, you know folks in the juvenile system. I did a little mm-hmm. bit of. I, I worked with young people, but I spent a lot of time in schools, which was it allowed me to pivot into both education and the healthcare just with how being a social worker is kind of set up. But I mean, I think that y'all's work is just really, really important. I, I just think that like, also, you know, it, it, it sounds like people bring up, they can bring up all those other things if we don't head that off at the, at the yeah. beginning, you know what I mean? And like, cause I yeah. want to have more black teachers and more black educators. I think it's really, really, really important. But I also just don't want, I've seen people, feel like, and I'm going to be honest, you know, sorry, you on the A Black Hands podcast, we don't censor ourselves. I've seen teachers that felt like they was the shit because they was a black yeah. teacher in the room and had no yeah. lesson plan. They didn't have no goals. They didn't know what they was doing for their unit. And mm-hmm. sometimes they go at black kids a little crazier, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because they get, they feel real familiar. And you yeah. being black from the North and you going to teach in the South you black, but it's a but you you and that person ain't necessarily the same. There are some things you gotta learn. And I think that if we don't name those things up front, it's gonna be a lot of people getting some hard lessons. And yeah. that might push them out the profession if they don't know these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's complicated, right? Like, I grew up here in D.C. I actually went to D.C. public schools through eighth grade, and that was a very interesting time to be in D.C. public schools. And I had some very, I had very bad teachers of all stripes. Um, and so, yeah, I don't want it to get lost that we we still need people to be good and we need them to be well-trained. Um, but, you know, sort of on top of the diversity piece. But it's a complicated question. I mean, it's the same way that people talk about, like, reform. It's like, you know, I... Some of, some of it does sadden me, but I think we have to grapple with the fact that things weren't so great before, right? So, but when you're trying to give like policy prescriptions and things like that, you don't really have time to jump into the nuance, as you like to say. 
Yeah, yeah he, he definitely likes to say that. And um, <laughs> where, where, where did you where did you go after after uh, after eighth grade? Because we we you know we we. Yes. we Gosh. I yeah. yeah, I actually went to Holton Arms, which is a school in Bethesda. Do you know where the, the Kavanaugh accuser went? <laughs> I do know where, where the Kavanaugh accuser went. Yes, yes. Yeah. all-girls private school. So that's actually kind of why I do what I do, uh, because of the disparity between what I saw when I was in D.C. public schools and then my high school experience. And then just moving back home after Duke, I actually thought I wanted to do uh, like international policy. And I was like, it makes zero sense when I'm born and raised in Washington, D.C. I should be working in education and social inequality. Like, this is crazy. So mm-hmm. that's why I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. And and Cole, you bring up a, a great point. I've, I've said this, you know, we at the Fellowship Black Male Educators for Social Justice, we have these convenings. I've stood up multiple times in front stop, of. Wait, you know, wait, stop. Thousand, you you um, plug in your other thing, too? Hold up, bro. I'm, I'm talking about the, the convenings, the BMEC convenings. They're, you know, they're they're. Uh, you know, anyway. <laughs> Welcome to hosting. Go ahead, brother. Yeah, Welcome to know, hosting. It just distracts you. You're like, what was I saying? Let me argue with this fool for a minute. Like, no, I, I, let me fit it. Um, but, you know, the idea, I would, I would speak to the, the brothers and just say, like, hey, we don't want you teaching, leading a classroom if that's not, you know, what you want. Because some people right. are like, oh, I love kids, so I want to be a teacher. Like, no, you might be a better librarian or you might be a social worker. Right. Like, to lead, no, lead a classroom to be a teacher is one of the most challenging jobs out there. And it is not for the faint of heart. It is not for those who don't have the right mindset about black children, regardless of who you are. You have to constantly interrogate your own biases, whether you're, as Cole pointed out, you know, it doesn't, you don't need to be from North or South of the country. You could be from different parts of the neighborhood and having yeah. just biases against the students that you uh, claim to be there to serve. And so we've seen that. And so that professional development and the support all of that is important, you know, and I asked you earlier what made you nervous about, you know, how people use your work. Yeah, I'm, I'm nervous about people just saying, oh, we just need more black teachers and and not supporting and, yeah. and working on them to make sure that they are, you know, are great teachers, effective teachers. Um, and so just trying to flood the, the gate. I'm also nervous that people stop thinking about retention of effective black teachers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just start yeah. running towards recruitment and forget about the teacher that's been there for seven years and doing their thing or 37 yeah. years and doing their thing. And like, oh, no, we're not supporting you. We're trying to just go recruit. But I think the other piece, and I think it, it captures a, a lot of what you all are saying, is uh, the part that I'm nervous about the most is that that policymakers do interpreted black teachers as the panacea and say, hey, mm-hmm. we don't need to fund it. We don't need yeah, to sure. uh, make it safe. We don't need to invest in professional mm-hmm. development. We don't need to do anything. Just send more black people there. And then 10 mm-hmm. years from now, even if they got more, even if they doubled the number of black teachers, but they haven't changed any of the working conditions, which for me means teaching and learning conditions, mm-hmm. the conditions right. students learn, the conditions that educators uh, you know, teach in, they haven't changed any of that. And then look at their, throw up their hands and say, see, they, they couldn't do it either. Right. You know, right. I'm, I'm, I'm a roll into my final thought. So and, and it, just so you and the good doctor can actually close us out like and, and she can have the last word. But just to start mine, uh, we, we do this a lot, though, where we say like teaching is the hardest job or is a difficult job. Like it is most careers are difficult. Well, most careers are difficult. You 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 mentioned like social work kind of flippantly. Like I used to deal with bro I was a social work. worker I didn't really no, 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 I was a social no, worker no no I know that but what, what I'm what I'm saying is what I'm saying is I work I'm on a hospital board bro with like surgeons and stuff like like what part of my job as a social worker bro I used to get like 
babies that were a few days old that were like kicking heroin, right? Like, or pulling a kid from their home. Like, I think all these careers are difficult, right? I think that, I think because we don't pay teachers a lot, we like let them say that the most so we don't have to deal with it um, and kind of let people have that. But uh, part of my final thought is I do think that, you know, to, 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 to your point, to both of you all's point, like we do need to like, I think, continue to elevate the profession. And I do think that sure. there was a different level of respect for that profession a long time ago before Brown versus Board when we had, you know, black intellectuals and things of that nature. I remember, you know, when I finished my doctorate and just how my community like addressed me like in that space, right? Mm-hmm. And none of them were like, hey, you want to go teach? They asked me when I was going to go be a professor. Like one definitely right. has more prestige over the other one. Um, mm-hmm. Something that I would like to see, and I see this in the hospital a lot, is the way in which doctors stay on top of their practice, right? Like when, when something goes afoul, like you have to go into a room with your peers of master doctors and surgeons, and they go through every single step of what you mm-hmm. did and critique it and give you feedback and do a write-up, right? Like, just think if we had that type of relationship, and I think some schools do have it. I think some of the best schools have that type, but like, you know, like you gotta be in residency for a long time before you actually lead in something, you know? And I think that if we wanna do all those things that we're talking about, there have to be more lab schools, there have to be more folks mm-hmm. that this type of funding so they can actually mimic and, and, and do those things. And I'm gonna end my, my thought here, Nurse, when I was in undergrad, nursing profession went through pretty much the same thing teaching profession is going through now. Where it was like, um, they, they wanted to, to bring the nursing profession back. They wanted to get more people going out for nursing uh, because hospitals were just like losing. That's like CNs were like a really big thing. And they were like, nah, I mean, re- you know, and all that good stuff. I think that what they did is that they took a real look at the professionalism of that job. They added like that doctoral element to it. They did a whole bunch of things, but now just about every nursing program across the country is impacted because they changed the perception of what it was to be a nurse. I mean, just think about um, Meet the Parents. Remember on Meet the Parents, if you've seen that movie, how they kept yeah. having a joke about him being a nurse? Now, nur- nurses, nurses run my hospitals. Like the hospitals that I oversee, like Nurses have a lot of say, right? And I think that if we're talking about teaching, I know those are different professions, but there are some tactics that were deployed over there that I think could be used. I appreciate like being able to hear from you all. I'm going to shut up and let Ray and Sharif have their final thoughts before we give it to the good doctor. Bro, you didn't even take a breath. Like you said, (laughs) you didn't even breathe. You know, bro, you know, when you've been doing this as long as I have, brother, you know what I'm saying? Talking and running your mouth. You got breath control, bro. Breath control. That's what KRS said. All right. So so some of us was just built to do this. You know what I'm saying? I got you. I got you, bro. Anyways, um, my final thoughts are this. Uh, I don't want to see a lowered bar for teachers, especially black teachers, because I feel like if students are going to look up to these teachers, then they need to be like, rock star teachers in all levels of being a rock star, meaning that they need to be able to manage the class, but then they also need to be able to bring uh, student proficiency up, right? So like, we're not just hiring these teachers to come in to be security guards. I feel like a lot of people, when they hire like black teachers, especially black male teachers, they want them to come in they want them to have great classroom management and manage the kids. But I want more than that from black male teachers. I want them to be able to come in and manage the class, then also bring those kids to like a different level in terms of what they're learning. Um, that's important for me. And for me, 
in terms of like how I run my school, content knowledge matters. So I know like in certain, you know, we're talking about like lowering the bar to get more minority teachers or more um, black and brown teachers. Like, I don't think that we should be doing that. I think that there's a different way to go about it. I don't necessarily know that way. Reef, you probably do. That's why you're doing this work. And, um, but we need to talk about that more. No, absolutely. And and I want to be clear, we're not advocating for lowering the bar for the people that are, um, you know, we're not going to say, oh, we need more doctors. So let's lower the bar and, you know, to become a surgeon and let just anybody in and start operating on other people's children. That's not what we're saying at all. And the same thing with teaching, like, right, like you are molding and shaping and supporting the growth and development of another human being. Uh, that is an amazing and sacred work. And no, we're not saying lowering the bar, but we, well, what I am saying and what a lot of people are saying is that we have to look at what are the gates that people have to pass to become a teacher, right? And so, yes, definitely I agree with you 100% content knowledge. That's important, but also just as important. And I think too often this, this piece is, is uh, not looked at until damage is done with kids, if it's looked at at all, yeah. is also your mindset about the children that you're going to serve is just as important as the content knowledge. You can be a great mathematician, but if you don't love black children, if you don't respect the community and their families, then your math level, your math expertise is not translating. I can promise you that. And guarantee you will not have a connection with the families if you're being disrespectful to the the. Um, their investment, their children that they're sending to, to the schools. And so I would also say there's a lot of research around there, like what actually is the bar? Some states are just haphazardly choosing what are the yeah. loopholes and what are the, the, the bars that people have to hop? And there's research around like, yeah, there's some folks who get perfect scores on tests and they can't teach a lick. Right. And so there's there's uh, there's actually no correlation with the higher your uh, score on some of these uh, state tests with your effectiveness as a teacher. So I think we got to do more work around it. And I think just what we're looking at as far as teaching, this goes back to elevating the profession that Cole was saying, we have to look at the dashboard, like what are all the things that take, what are all the ingredients, right? And how do we support people in becoming that? But the first thing is mindset. The work that we're doing at the Center for Black Educated Development, when we're doing professional development, we're looking at mindset, skill, and will. To us, those are the three foundational pieces that will, you know, either sink or swim. You know what I mean? Like, do you, how do you think about black kids? The mindset is the most important thing if you're going to teach black children. And yeah. so that's what I would say. And I would say the my final piece is, look, we need more black educators, right? Like, you know, Dr. Lindsay's uh, work shows, particularly students who are, who are in poverty and black boys who are in poverty, 39% less likely to drop out of high school almost 40% less likely to drop out of high school if they have a black teacher. And yes, I'm going to say an effective black teacher, like what the impact that they can have on that, those children is astronomical. And there's very few interventions that people, we've seen all types of interventions thrown at, at our schools. I've not seen many that have uh, an impact where students are 39% less likely to drop out. Right. And so we have to look at this as part of the, the package of how we're going to intervene in, our, in cities and schools. But it is a huge thing and it can't happen just after they graduate um, college. I said this before, when we um, when we started the fellowship, 17 black men, a quarter of them with their PhDs, 
Not a single one of us had been approached in high school about becoming a teacher. We had all been approached after we had graduated college. And when we spoke to our colleagues, we said our first research was just talk to your colleagues. Most of them were white women. They said they remember as early as third grade, someone tapping them on the shoulders and saying, you know what, you'll be a great teacher one day. After college, for me and my, my, um, you know, my, my colleagues, third grade for our white women colleagues. So yeah. that's, that's what I would say. And, and when I, and I'm like Cole, I was, I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted, I was doing a little social work. I was at the youth study center, which is a kiddie jail and they need great counselors, but that wasn't what I wanted to do. But when I spoke to this black man who was an educator, Dr. Martin Ryder, and he said, you know what? He walked us through the connection between social justice, racial justice, and educational justice. He said, that was, that's the three components that you can implement as you're leading con- your content, as you're leading these, uh, these schools. And that, that hooked me. I loved it. I love seeing that social justice could be, uh, you know, pursued by being a teacher. And I, I, I loved it so much. I did it for 26 years. I'm going to, um, I, we're honored to have you on Dr. Lindsay. Thank um, you. To, close the show with just any final thoughts, reflections, um, and particularly if you could weave in there, what should policymakers do? What Mm -hmm. should parents be pushing for? Yeah, that's great. I mean, I feel like you guys, you guys covered most of it. Um, I also feel like you you were, you guys were easy on me because I've listened to the podcast before. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So, so I think, so I think a few things. So one, I think we definitely need sort of all hands on deck, right? Like we need the advocates working on this. We need the researchers working on this and not necessarily on this question of like, do black teachers matter? I mean, quite honestly, I'm a little bit tired of that because kind of, we know, right. We've, we've shown it. Yeah, we already we know, know it. it. Yep. Mm-hmm. We know it. Right. So I think we got to start working on different pieces of this. And so that's where I'm going to take my work sort of moving forward. So right now I'm looking at um, the role of uh, the, uh, turnover rates for black principal, or sorry, for black teachers who have a black principal, mm. and thinking about the ways in which uh, working conditions play a role in that. Um, with my colleague Dominique Baker, who's a black woman who's at Southern Methodist University, we're looking at levels of undergraduate debt burden and people's propensity to become a teacher. Um, and so, just trying to offer different sort of um, nuanced ways of understanding all the different sort of steps along the pipeline where black teachers might be disadvantaged and ways in which we can offer advice to policymakers to, to get teachers in the black teachers in the classroom and then to keep them there. And so that, that's just basically where I'll be, I'll be headed next. I mean, I think this is probably the central, one of the central policy challenges that we're going to face. And it's not just relevant for black kids. It's, it's relevant for Latinx kids. I mean, things are 10 times worse. There's just no Latinx or there's, there are some Latinx teachers, but if you look at like the representation gaps, they're also very huge mm-hmm. and they have less of a research base than we have around black teachers. And so this is just going to be an issue as the public school student body gets more and more diverse. So we just have to stay on top of it. But, you know, to you guys' points, we still have to think about quality. We still have to think about uh, equitable funding. There's lots of challenges. Um, so this is just one one slice of the pie. But I do thank you guys for having me having me today and being going easy on me. <laughs> no, not easy on you. I mean, you you have some fascinating um, you know research that we just really wanted to uplift and and have out there. Like we've referenced yeah. it, but you know what? Yeah. How better to even reference and have the you know the the people behind it actually talk about their work and give that yeah. kind of um, you know as Cole loves to say the nuance um, right. aspect Absolutely. of uh, of education. Well, 
it's funny because I get like, we get like kind of lots of crazy emails about this study because I think people just, I don't know, it brings out the crazy in people. And people will email me and they'll be like, you need to look up scholars of color. And I'm like, I'm a black woman. Like, what do (laughs) you think is going on up here? (laughs) You know, that's well, it it happens. I I, I get that a lot. Like, uh, people will find my research or something like that and tell me who I should have talked to or what I should have did. And just, yeah, it's so obnoxious. Yeah, yeah it, it happens a lot. I, you know, uh, Reef, you did a great job with the hosting thing, brother. We should have you do that more. The one thing that I didn't get a chance to ask, and you don't have to answer it here, but it might be a good blog post, right? It's like, I'm always obsessed with what people can do Monday morning, like what folks can do. Mm-hmm. And yeah. this issue, this situation is not going to be fixed for them. Um, and I try to empower my community and especially yeah. parents and students. So like, you know, you don't have to answer now because we're a little bit out of time, but it might be great mm-hmm. to, uh, if you want to reach out, we can do it together. Like just a blog post around what sure. you do um, to supplement for potentially the lack of quality black educators mm-hmm. uh, in their school building right now, because we know how important they're, they're, they are. So there might be some things that one can do, even if their school doesn't have them. Um, that might be an interesting yeah. problem to help solve. But thank y'all yeah, so, sure. so, so, so yeah, much. Thank you. Ray, I mean, Ray, Ray had to leave, but Reef, you did a great job. This is me clapping for you. I don't have a sound. Uh, you silly. Dr. <laughs> Lindsay, thank you so much. You, you have been listening that. to the A Black Hands. Peace. You have been listening to the A Black Hands podcast with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecki, and Stewart. If you like what you heard, follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at 8BlackHands1. Thank you for listening.